0: Welcome to the Unite Church podcast. For more information about Unite Church, visit UniteChurchAK.org. Now enjoy this message from Josh Tanner. How are you today? I was in Mexico last week instead of Easter service. I hope you all had a great time. Did you guys have a good time? Alyssa heard Zach's message. It was great. And um, that's the first time in 21 years that we weren't here worshiping at this church. Kind of amazing. I wasn't really, we weren't really planning on doing a vacation, but the vacation found us, and it was really good, so awesome to everybody, and welcome to all y'all out there. If you're new, glad to see you. Maybe that's your first time meeting me. Hang on. Good luck out there. Yeah, good luck out there. Um, man, I tell you what, uh, I'm just thinking about just the way our world is today and everything that's going on in the world, and um, this word just choices just keeps coming into my mind and into my spirit. there's just choices. Like our life is just full of choices, choices, choices all the time. Every minute of every day we're always choosing, right? And we're choosing all kinds of things. And these things are, are pleasing to the Lord and sometimes not so pleasing to the Lord, right? And in fact, some choices have long-term ramifications. They have long-term direction in our life. Right? Like choosing to do heroin once. Oh, I'll just try it once. No, do not try that once, guys. Don't try that once. That one decision can wreck your whole life. You'll be pushing a shopping cart outdoors. It's sad. I mean, Oh, I'll just try this one cigarette with my buddies or my friends after a drink at a party, or I'll try this one drink at a party, right? Ladies, just one drink at a party can change your life forever. More so than even a man's life, okay? But it's extremely risky business. You don't know what's in that. Oh, I'll just take one hit off of whatever it is. You know how many deaths are happening in our country because of fentanyl? Because these crazies are putting it inside of everything. It's just killing people like crazy. Now, some choices aren't that radical, right? I mean, some of those choices can shift your life forever or end your life now. Young people, talking to you. Because some of y'all got the thick case, right? (laughs) And you're like trying to put it on the thing. It's like, it's not connecting. I'm like... I'm trying to get it to connect. Let's go. (laughs) But there are other decisions in our life that maybe aren't so immediate or radical, and it's like the decision to stay away from cookies, right? Or ice cream. These are are important decisions, and in all of these decisions, there is this turning that needs to happen, right? So when you're moving toward the ice cream, or you're moving toward the cookies, there needs to be a turning away from that thing. Are you with me? Is there some of you like me, like it doesn't matter if someone brings cookies into your home or ice cream, you just know it. I don't think it's listed in the gifts in Romans 12 or Corinthians, but I think that it's a spiritual gift somewhere in there, maybe a not so spiritual gift, that there's something that's just like, you can just smell that stuff out just goes and finds it whatever your little intuition gift is it's going to find all the cookies, the ice cream the stuff that you know that isn't good for you the stuff that makes you feel comfort now but you pay for later literally by having to buy jeans that are bigger so that you feel more comfortable one of my pastors, he used to always say yeah, I'm a 38, but Forties feel so good, I wear a 42, okay? (laughs) These are not just one decisions. These are multiple decisions, and they become habits that actually move us in our life. Financial habits, spiritual habits, uh, thought life habits, right? These are decisions that we are making. They're choices we're making that lead us to things. They're not immediate, just one-time choices. They're choices that move you, that move me, And God is wanting us to turn. This is a season of turning. And God wants us to make choices that turn us from the things that are not beneficial to us. And that turn us towards something that is. In Exodus chapter 3 verse 1, we find one of the most iconic uh, characters or people in the Bible, Moses. And... He is escaped from Egypt, and he was a prince of Egypt, and he escapes from Egypt, and he decides, I'm not going to live in all of the lavishness of Egypt. It's just not what God has for me. And he goes out, and he becomes a shepherd, and he finds a wife, and he who finds a wife finds a good thing, right? Amen. So he finds this good thing, and then he is out, and he is just doing his job. Moses imagined his life was just going to be about sheep the rest of his life. And he's like, thanking God, I'm just with my sheep. I'm hanging out with my people. I'm going to have a family. And he's wandering around, and he's just feeding his sheep. And in verse 1, it says, Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. And he led the flock to the far side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. There, the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within a bush, Moses saw that the bush was on fire and did not burn up. So Moses thought, I will go over and see this strange sight. Just think about that. He's going throughout his whole day. He's, he's feeding the sheep just like all the time. And he sees this bush that won't stop burning. And that's not how bushes burn, by the way. Right? They just burn up and then they're gone. Like Especially out in the desert. Okay, So this thing burns up and then it won't. But there's an angel of the Lord nestled in this bush. Just waiting to see if Moses will see it. And then what will Moses do when he sees it? It says that Moses goes over to see this strange sight. Why the bush does not burn up? When the Lord saw that he had gone over to look. Look at that. When the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called to him from within the bush, Moses, Moses. And Moses said, here I am. Come on. Here I am. And God says, do not come any closer. Take off your sandals, for the place where you're standing is holy ground. Then he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. At this, Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. Not a bad decision. Not bad choices for Moses here so far, right? Pretty good choices for Moses. But there's some things that are going on here. Listen, there are... In our lives, just like Moses, we're going around tending to the sheep in our life, whatever that might be. It's your job, it's your things, it's even just your common, maybe ministry you've signed up for, your family, and you're going along. We're going along in our day, and we're tending to our sheep, and we're just messing around, we're just getting our job done and being faithful. And God wants to interrupt our day. He wants to interrupt what we're doing in our life, And he sends a little sign, a little angel, lights something up in the distance. And when you look here, God was waiting for Moses. God did not make Moses turn. He did not make Moses turn to him. He didn't even say anything to Moses. He gave him this little... And Moses is like, that's interesting. How interested are we in the things of God? How interested are we in seeing the things of God? A move of God, the glory of God, the power of his presence move. People around us get saved. That we would just interrupt, allow God to interrupt our daily life and see what he might be doing, get curious about it, and just move toward it. Because when he moves towards it, then God speaks to him. He goes, hmm, I'm waiting to see if God turns, or if Moses turns towards me. And when he turns towards him, he goes, okay, okay, you're going to take a step towards me? Here I come. Imagine what Moses' life would have been like if he didn't turn. Probably a very different story. In fact, we might be reading about another person who did. Because God's going to free Egypt. He's going to free the Israelites, his kingdom in Egypt, and he wanted to use Moses. He ordained Moses, and he wanted Moses to be the guy. But what if he didn't turn? What about our lives? What about our lives? What if we don't turn? What will this city be like if we don't turn? What will our families be like if we don't turn? What will the prisons be like if we don't turn? What will the street life be like if we don't turn? Come on, what will the music and the media be like if we don't turn? God is calling on his people to turn. It's time to turn. And we are moving towards something that is burning. This bush was on fire, and it was representing what was about to happen in Moses' life. His old life was about to get burned up, and God was going to purify him for a new work that was going to cost him everything. When we turn, guys, this is not turn or burn, okay? It's turn to burn. Burn. Okay, we're gonna turn into something to burn for Jesus and to be burned up by Jesus as living sacrifices and offerings to Him. It's a sweet smelling aroma when the sin is burned off our life. It's a sweet smelling aroma when our own desires and our own uh, uh, hopes and dreams and things we'd wanna go accomplish all for us are burned up out of our life and instead we are burning for the Lord. And it's a burning that will never cease, just like the bush. The Holy Spirit has descended on the church. In fact, the church was birthed through an explosion of the Holy Spirit. It was an explosion of the Holy Spirit that burst out and thousands of people got saved all in one day because the people turned their face to God and they sought Him and waited for Him and then He exploded on the scene. What are we going to do in this great hour? And what are we going to do? Are we going to turn our face to the things of God and turn away from mediocrity or turn away from the average and turn away from the peacey, peaceable and easy life and we're going to turn to the things of God that we might burn for him? We all have to make this choice. The current condition of our nation, guys, is like a really, one of the dark s- scenes in a Batman movie. Do you know what I'm saying? Anybody see Batman? I mean, Batman's been going on for generations. I mean, uh, uh, like, the oldest people in this room grew up on Batman on television, right? It's like they keep changing Batman. Batman has got exponentially cooler. And, and the evil guys in, in Batman have got exponentially darker, right? And scarier. But, you know, in Batman, it's like all the time in Batman. I don't know why they don't shut this place down, the Arkham Asylum. You know, maybe there's not very many Batman fans. out. Okay, right. In Batman, all, every problem comes from the Arkham Asylum. It's like 99% of all problems in Batman come from the Arkham Asylum. And the crazy people live in the Arkham Asylum. They take these crazy mass psycho like masterminds, and then they just put them in there, you know, and they're like, yeah, and then they all plan and to escape, and they just keep escaping, and, you know, it goes on and on. That's why it's been going on for generations, because their plan is terrible, right? But what happens every once in a while in Batman is, in the Arkham Asylum, all the crazy people get out, and they take over the city, and they run it. That's what we're living in right now, is the Arkham Asylum has, like, taken over our world, not even just our nation, the world, guys, and the Arkham Asylum, it looks like the devil, like the enemy's plan looks the same throughout all generations, and I have told people this a lot of times, when I imagine Satan and his demons and all this, it's just kind of like a mob boss who sits down, and all their buddies show up, and like, hey, Bob, what are you doing today? Well, the same kind of stuff I've been doing for thousands of years, what are you going to eat for lunch? I was all like, oh, you want to switch sandwiches? Okay, we'll switch sandwiches. Hey, that sounds good. I like what you got. You like right? This is how demons operate all day long. And y- y'all, we just live this little 20, 30, 50, 80, 90, some of 90-year lives, right? Any 100-year-olds in here? Come on, we're going to celebrate you. I don't know if I want to go to 100. I've been thinking about 102, and now 80's looking good. As I'm starting to slow down, I'm like, 40 more years of that Oh, heaven, let's just go to heaven. The things you want to do are in heaven, okay, church? They're not here, they're in heaven. We turn from what we want here and what we know we're made for, and instead, like rest, we want all this rest and peace. We just don't get that in completion here. We get it in eternity. The only way we experience some rest and, 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 and comfort here on earth is when we don't allow the demons to run our world. When we don't allow the demons to possess human beings that go to live, come out of Arkham Asylum, and then we elect them into places of office. (laughs) Or we allow them to corrupt our system, which will only work if we're good and holy and righteous people. Guys, our nation is at risk because we have been asleep as the church. And it is serious. And there is real evil and real death happening. I mean, I can't remember. Somebody just said this to me, and I was like, well, maybe it was Mike. Mike, I think Mike was telling me this, our sound guy. He's like, listen to somebody talk about the abortion pill. They've used it over 500 million people or 1,000 people or some crazy number. And he goes, and nobody's ever died from it. Nobody's ever died from it. It literally murdered 500,000 people, and nobody died. This is the insanity we live in. And there is more and more of our societies becoming openly satanic, church. And you might be hiding from it. You're like, oh, I'm off Twitter. I'm off all this stuff. I've been off all that too, and I feel like the Lord told me, Josh, if you don't see what's happening, you will not know how to fight. And so I've been on Twitter, and I'm looking at it, I'm like, this is madness. <laughs> and you know what? I've been alive for 45 years now, and I know some of y'all, you're, you're a little, you know, longer in the tooth than me, but in all my time, and, and from what I understand from people that I know, it has never been this openly satanic. It's openly satanic. Celine Dion opened a satanic Kids' clothing line. This is madness. I used to like her music. I still like her music. I'm not buying any more albums, though. (laughs) Come on, or clothes. I'm certainly not buying any of her clothes. Not for my kids. But the movements that are coming out are coming out openly satanic, church. It's it's serious. But there's really good news. There's really good news. Is that all the church has to do is turn. All we have to do is turn. Because Jesus holds the power of hell. The keys to death itself. All of the power is in Jesus' hands. And guess who he entrusted it to? His kids. His heirs. We are the full heirs of Christ. All that was entrusted to him has been given to us. And all we need to do is turn. Lord, where are you moving I'm turning from what I want and what I desire, and I'm moving toward you. This is what God is asking. There's a powerful scripture in the Old Testament. Many of you have been around for a long time. You've heard this. And this happened during a time when Solomon, he was uh, commissioning the temple. He had been commissioned to build the temple, and then he builds the temple of God. And then he begins to commission this temple for the use and the work and the power and the presence of God. And it is finally a permanent resting place for God to show up. Instead of a tabernacle that was moving around, he got to build a temple and he built it glorious. And it was amazing. But Solomon prays one of the most awesome prayers in the whole Bible in 2 uh, uh, Chronicles. It's actually chapter 6 if you go read that. But he, he dedicates this and then the fire of God falls on the in the temple and the presence of God fills the temple so much that no one could even approach it and all they could do was get on their face and worship God and he asked God for all these ridiculous awesome things about God just we pursue you will you bless us if you if we just pursue you and we sacrifice when we make mistakes will, will you just forgive us our sins and will you just pour out your blessing and favor on us and he just pours out his heart to God and then God responds to him and he says this in 2 Chronicles 7 14, if my people who are called by my name, who, if my people who are called by my name, Jesus, have you been called by the name of Jesus? If you're in this room today, you're not here by accident, Jesus is calling you now. If they will humble themselves. Come on, God, humble my heart and pray. Not just humble and do humble pray, but humble ourselves, period. Pray, period. Seek my face and, look here, turn. God's calling his church to turn. To turn from their wicked. Ways. Then. I will hear from heaven. I will forgive their sins. And I will heal their land. Do we need some healing in our land? We need some serious healing in our land church. We need some serious healing in our land. But if we do not. One. Respond to the call. Jesus. You are Lord. Jesus. Jesus. You are Lord. There is only one way unto the Father, and it's through the Son. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And no one can be saved except by calling on the name of Jesus. If you feel the tug in your heart, don't wait till I call the altar call at the end of the service. Jesus, you are Lord. Jesus, Lord. You are Lord. I know you're calling me. If your life is unfulfilled, if your life is empty, if you're tired of seeing the direction we're headed, we're not headed to somewhere neutral. We are headed to death and destruction. Satan will kill and steal and destroy and burn our whole nation to the ground. He wants to burn the whole world to the ground. And all he needs is a sleeping church to get it done. But if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves, pray, seek my face, and turn. Turn from their wicked ways. Then I will hear from heaven, forgive their sins, and heal their land. God promises to hear from heaven when we turn. He hears from heaven when we turn. It doesn't matter how many times you've messed it up. How many times you went back to the cookie jar. Doesn't matter. He's like, turn. Just turn. Just turn. James 4.4, you adulterous people. Don't you know that friendship with the world means enmity, which is the greatest form of hatred, by the way. It's ultimate hatred towards God or against God. Therefore, Anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. Or do you think, Scripture says, without reason, that jealous, he jealously longs for the spirit he has cause to dwell in us. But he gives us more grace. That is why the Scripture says, God opposes the proud and shows favor to the humble. Submit yourselves then to God. Verse 7. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Come near to God and he will come near to you. Wash your hands, you sinners. (coughs) Purify your hearts, you double-minded. Grieve, mourn, and wail. Change your laughter into mourning and your joy into gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord and he will lift you up. This is a turning lifestyle. And the way I understand it, this word resist, so it says Submit yourselves to God. God, I am submitted to you holy. This word resist is not like push against. Okay? This word resist is more like a Heisman move. It's actually connected to turning. I'm going to hit and change directions. Because I'm submitted to God. Because thi- if this way represents moving toward the enemy's desire and will for my life sin, and anything in that list of sin, I'm moving towards that, then I'm going to resist it by Heisman, bam, by turning to the one who can save me. I resist the devil. I don't resist him by, like, trying to fight him off. I don't have to do that because God's my protector. He's my shield, my fortress, my strong tower, my place of refuge. When we're weary and we're lost, we run to him. When I'm in sin, I come boldly to his throne. So I'm going to, Heisman, resist the devil, bam, and turn to the Lord. And he comes to me, and with a flood of forgiveness and love and mercy, it's already paid for. It's not like when we turn to him with our sin, he's like, well, let me think about it. It's all done. It's it's paid for, and you just come right into the presence of God and fall on the mercy seat and go, God, I just did it again. But I don't want that life. I want life with you. We just have to keep turning and turning and turning. It's choices after choices, and I promise you, it's going to stick. But if we just accept it and we just move towards joy in the things of sin and the things of uh, prayerlessness and the things of, The world, we are enemies. We're against God's movement. If we are tolerant of these things, church, tolerance is different than acceptance. I can accept and love you and not tolerate your behavior. I'm just going to say stuff right now. So I will not tolerate a man inside of a bathroom with one of my daughters. I won't tolerate that. I'm not going to tolerate some pedophile coming into my kids' elementary school and doing a strip dance. This is what's happening in our nation right now, guys. I won't personally, I mean, I'm not in charge of this, but in my tolerance zone, I won't tolerate men taking away the accolades of women. Like, guys, this is a battle for women. Satan hates women. You guys know this, right? Right? He hates women. And he wants to stomp them all out. In the garden, in 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 Genesis, he says that that God put enmity, the greatest hate, between the devil and women, not men. And then in Revelation 12, we see the devil's coming after the woman and her offspring. Same fight, same battle. He's trying to swallow all you up, ladies. It's time to fight. It's time to stand. And it's not time to tolerate any of this. It is satanic. It is wicked. It is evil. And yes, lots of confused people are out there being taken advantage of who need identity and to be accepted so we can accept and love anybody who is super confused. We don't have to judge them. We don't have to. Everybody needs to fall on the mercy seat. But we're not tolerating murder. This is why we don't tolerate abortion. And it's like, oh, the pills, I don't kill anybody. They don't kill the moms. They're like, they kill the flipping babies. If that was you and I, that's us and Gen Xers out there. Guys, like two-thirds of our generation were murdered in abortion. There was 35 million Gen Xers. Do you know how many baby boomers there were? 77 million. 77 million. How many babies were murdered since my, basically, birthday? How many more? Millions upon millions. God can forgive all of this sin, but we cannot tolerate this in our world. So the question really is, is what does a church that turns look like? How do we turn away from these things so we're not going to tolerate them in our own lives that's the step one I'm going to resist the devil and I'm going to turn and I'm going to press in toward the things of God I'm going to submit to him and it says here in verse 8 come near to God he comes near to you wash your hands you sinners that's us church God I want to wash my hands I just want to be clean I don't want anything in my heart anything in my hands anything in my eyes that would defile you that's step one. A church that turns is a church that turns. That's us that turn. And that's all of us as individuals and collectively. We turn our hearts. Double-minded. We can't be for the things of the world and tolerate them and be for the things of God. We cannot do these things. It's becoming openly satanic. To do the things of the world, you must worship the devil. And I'm telling you, it's going there. It's, it's off the cliff. He's, the devil is showing his hand. It's wacko. I cannot even believe it's happening, honestly. But it is literally happening right before our eyes. I won't be double-minded. You will not be double-minded. Come on. We will not be a double-minded church. We can be a church that has no tolerance for the things of the enemy and is full of God's love and acceptance because God's mercy and acceptance is only found in his church, in his arms, in his love we have to submit ourselves to God. Grieve, mourn, wail for the way we behaved. Change our laughter into mourning and our joy into gloom. God, forgive me for this. I'm humbling myself before the Lord, and he will lift us up. I've got this crazy testimony in this book. I read this book by Todd Smith. Uh, My friend Kristen gave it to my wife, and my wife gave it to me this is the way i read <laughs> women they're good they're strong come on you got to listen to the women in your life you'll be better for it that's why satan hates all y'all okay you're smart powerful oh, gosh i'm going to say something again okay I'm falling over men we have to learn how to treat women with equality equal value to my needs and self, and deference. For some reason, the enemy likes to confuse us. And I think our egos get us messed up here. Is that if I treat a woman with equality and still open a door for her, that somehow I'm going to give up all my power. Can we be a platform for women to be the most amazing and awesome thing that God made them and shaped them to be? And just celebrate them being amazing. And that doesn't mean women have to domineer and run over everybody. But when men aren't supporting women, they feel like they got to get big because when we feel small, we get big, right? But if we would just all honor and respect and love one another and men, we would just be like, there isn't a woman that's going to walk around me and I'm not opening a door for them. It's just not going to happen. And if some lady's getting beat up, you're going to protect her You're not going to, if the ship is going down, you're going to stay on the boat and put the women and children on the boat. This is equal value and deference. And there's a reason God wants us to show his mercy and his tenderness and its meekness, strength under control. I said some things. Okay. Here's my testimony that I wanted to read. This is about the enemy and how much the enemy hates a praying church. Okay. What do Satanists fear the most? Samuel Chadwick said, "The one concern of the devil is to keep Christians from praying. The one concern of the devil is to keep Christians from praying. He fears nothing from a prayerless, from prayerless studies, prayerless work, and prayerless religion. He laughs at our toil." mocks at our wisdom, but trembles when we pray. This imagery is fascinating. Webster's Dictionary defines tremble as to shake involuntarily, to be affected with great fear and anxiety. I believe Chadwick is correct. The devil shakes and trembles at our praying. Imagine it. Every time we go to the Lord in prayer, the devil gets extremely nervous and stressed out to the point of trembling. I like this. No wonder he tries to disrupt our prayer life. He fears an effective praying person more than anything on earth. I recall a testimony from a leading pastor who told an interesting story about the power of prayer. Years ago, As a youth pastor at a large church with his uh, ministry team, they had been witnessing to a Satanist and eventually led him to the Lord. The life change was dramatic. And after a while, the youth pastor sat down and asked the former Satanist a few questions. It's kind of interesting. One of which was, as a Satanist, what did you fear the most about Christians? His reply was quick and to the point. We have seen what is accomplished when they pray. Whoa. The response in the spirit is very significant when a believer prays in the spirit. We as Satanists tried our best to prevent and discourage it at all costs. (laughs) so amazing. This is known by Satanists. This is like part of their open code. And I've Kind of research this a little bit about, like I've asked more people, and they're like, oh yeah, this is, this is for real. Why does Satanist fear when God's people pray in tongues? For starters, the believer is praying the perfect will of God to be accomplished, and evil despises the harm that comes to their kingdom as a result. Interestingly, I'll say that one really slow. Interestingly, oh okay, yeah, interestingly, another satanist revealed something similar. We fear churches and Christians who pray in tongues. He added, "We're able to see in the spirit realm, and we know when Christians pray in tongues because we see the increasing angelic activity as angels dart across the sky and set on." Divine assignments. Say what? Well, maybe that's why that's in the Bible. Maybe that's why the Holy Spirit did that to the whole New Testament church, to disrupt the kingdom of evil. Think about how Jesus, I mean, the Holy Spirit came onto the earth through tongues. Tongues and fire, that's right. You know, in the time of the Tower of Babel, like, God divided everyone with language. It kind of makes sense that he unites the church with language, too. One common language to release the power of God. And it also humbles you when you do it, because you're like, I don't know what the heck this is. This is crazy. And you don't want nobody to hear it. You're like, I don't want nobody to hear this. You know, Isn't kind of embarrassing. Yeah, exactly. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray... Then I will pour out my spirit and heal the land. Come on. One of the most humbling prayers you can do is to pray in tongues. If you mock tongues, guys, look out. It's it's pretty serious. You're mocking one of the most powerful gifts of the Holy Spirit because you don't understand it. We mock things we don't understand. We're afraid of things we don't understand. Be careful. And God wants to move in your life too. The gift of tongues is for every believer. Okay? Prayer, there's two types of tongues. I'm not teaching a whole message on this right now. One is tongues for interpretation, and the other one is the gift of prayer language, which is the most powerful prayer you can do, and Satanists know it. Satan knows it. The devils know it. All those devils with their lunch boxes going, hey, Bob, I'm going to do this today. What are you doing? Those guys are like, oh, I'm not going towards that Christian praying church. I'm not going towards those guys that pray in tongues. Heck no. Let's go to this other place. They're soft targets. It's way easier over there. Why dig on bedrock granite when you could go dig in the sand? Right? Those of you that like to dig holes like me. Let this encourage you. This should motivate you to intercede and pray with great focus and tenacity. Think about the magnitude prayer has on God's kingdom as angels are commissioned to go on your behalf when you pray. Could this be one of the reasons the Apostle Paul encouraged us to labor and pray and to pray without ceasing? And the Apostle Paul also said, I thank God I pray in tongues more than all y'all because I am kicking the devil's butt every day. That just makes me happy. Jesus is king, and no one will ever take his place. He's king, and no one will ever take his place. All of the government is on his shoulders, church. And all we have to know is to know how to fight. But church, he is calling us to turn from all the things we want to do and turn from our wicked ways, purify our hearts, God wants to purify his church, and he wants us to turn and seek his face and begin to pray and pray in the spirit. And if you haven't prayed in the spirit, you don't know how to pray in tongues, like just seek after it. we got lots of people around here that help you. Spirit Life Class will help you learn how to do it, and you can learn how to do it. But you get what you pursue, and a lot of us, we have all kinds of stuff that we're freaked out about or it it makes us uncomfortable or whatever. Just don't judge it. Throw your judgment away and pursue the Lord, okay? Just pursue him and I promise he's gonna show up. If it took you two years, is it worth it? If it took you five, is it worth it to get and be engaged in the most powerful part of prayer that you could ever be engaged in and the most powerful type of spiritual warfare you could be engaged in is not just prayer, but prayer in the spirit. Because y'all, we don't know how to pray because we don't know what's all going on, but the Lord knows and he wants to partner with us and release the power through his church and that's why he makes it all weird. So your brain can't figure it out and you don't get the glory and you're not smart enough to get it all done. He is. It's just so, it is so simple, but it does make sense. As our world is becoming more and more openly satanic, the church needs to become more and more openly awesome. And more open in our prayer. James 5, 16. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray. Pray for each other so that you may be healed. Do you want to get healed today? Come on, you have healing you need in your life? Confess your sins to one another. Pray for each other that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person, not an unrighteous person, the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. One of the problems with the church is we're kind of living in a lot of unrighteousness you can't fake jesus all right y'all we can't fake jesus we we can't pretend to have a relationship with jesus you either do or you don't coming to church doesn't give you a relationship with jesus you have to give your heart and life to him you have to turn you have to turn from your ways. You have to turn to Jesus. You have to turn your face to him. And you have to pursue him and seek him and fall in love with him and give your heart to him. That's how you become a Christian. You believe and put your love and trust in him, Jesus, who is God. Then he makes you righteous. And then when you live in righteousness, the alignment to what's been done inside of you by the power and the work of the Holy Spirit and the blood of Jesus, then your power Your prayers get supercharged when you live in righteousness and pray. Made righteous, live in righteousness. Those are two different things. Jesus instantly makes us righteous. But when we align our lifestyle by turning and pursuing and seeking God and living in the things that are holy and righteous and good, and then we pray, all of a sudden our prayers are supercharged. It's pretty amazing. It's a season where God wants to wake up his church, but we have to purify our hearts. We have to turn from our wicked ways. We have to go and live in the power, guys. We have to go to the burning bush. We have to seek his face. 1 Peter three twelve, For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are attentive to their prayers. My prayers aren't getting answered. I'm not seeing the power of God move in my family and my life and my lands and people that aren't getting healed. I'm not seeing the move of God, the glory fall. You want to, we want to see the glory fall. We have to live in righteousness. The face of the Lord is against those who do evil. Lord, purify my heart. I want to choose you. Psalms 27.7. Hear my voice when I call. Lord, be merciful to me and answer me. My heart says of you, seek his face. Your face, Lord, I will seek. Is that your heart today? Your face, God, I will seek. I just want what you have for me. I just want you, God. Next week, we're gonna pray for people today and we're gonna give you space to really respond to the Lord in just a second. But next week, we're gonna have our baptismal out. And we're just going to baptize anybody and everybody that wants to see a move of God. Anybody and everybody that wants their heart and life to be purified and wants their life to be changed and wants either they're believing God for a miracle, you're believing God for healing, whatever it is, you want more. You want to seek God and you want to pursue him We're going to stay and we're going to baptize anybody and everybody. We're going to baptize a bunch of people during the service and then we're going to stay all night long if we got to. Just keep baptizing. Right? Okay. (laughs) I'm looking at him because he's got to play guitar. The elders, uh, we made it in in our last elders meeting. We've been praying and seeking the Lord and like, Lord, what do you want from us? The elders of the church have been praying and we felt that God's laid it on our heart that we're going to be praying and believing God for healings and miracles every single church service, every single one. And we're going to be down here and with anointing oil, and we're praying all week for you to get healed. Okay? For you to experience a miracle and an encounter with God. And so our elders are going to be right down here every single week, and they're praying specifically for those two things, okay? So if you need healing and you need a miracle and you need breakthrough in your body and healing, you come here. If you have cancer, if you have any kind of disease, you come down here and pray. Next week, get in the waters of baptism. We're going to be praying over that water all week. And we're going to be believing God for an outpouring of his spirit. And that the church is going to wake up. Church, I want all of you, I'm asking all of you, turn, turn, turn. Begin to pray for an outpouring of the spirit of God that miracles will begin happening here. I've been specifically feeling that God wants to heal addictions, especially those that are stuck in alcoholism in this church. I'm believing, God, that this will become an oasis for alcoholism. If you have alcohol, uh, alcohol addiction, I'm believing, God, and I want you to pray this with me, that people walk in the door and they get set free instantly from alcoholism every time. You and I could never do this, but the power of the living God can do it. He's done it for so many. And why not us? What if we were an oasis for addiction? How fun would that be? How fun would that be? Well, I would like to do something way more fun than watch our cities burn to the ground. How about you? It starts by each one of us deciding we're gonna turn. None of you have to be Superman. None of us have to do anything superhuman. We just have to humble ourselves, purify our hearts and begin to pray every day asking God for a miracle in our church. Every day asking God for those who are among us praying for one another, just believing God. When we show up back here, we bring our friends that are sick, that need healing, that are desperate, and that are lost, and we bring them here so that they can experience the love of God. This is the only thing. Jesus is the only thing that will set people free. Acts 2 21, and everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this message, please connect with us at UniteChurchAK.org. We hope to see you soon.